This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. We're going to have William Dang here for the next few minutes. We have, William is the Vice President of Media Strategy and Business Development at the NFL. That's the National Football League. <laughs> nice William, to be here. Yeah, glad, glad you're here. Thanks for making the time for us. William is VP there with the NFL. He's been there since 2015 prior to being with the NFL. He was Associate Director of Strategy at a consultancy firm named Interbrand, and before that, the Clinton Foundation. He has an MBA from MIT after getting an undergrad degree here at Wharton. Glad to have you back at school, William. Appreciate it. Good to be back. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your work there at the NFL uh, the, and, and, and how you got in there. How did you transition from MIT through – was Clinton Foundation before or after MIT? Before. Before. So Clinton Foundation, MIT, and then you end up in the NFL. That's an interesting series. That three, that, that, that triple is an unlikely triple. So tell us about that transition. Those it is, and my career has been sort of a bit of a whirlwind. I actually started my career uh, in financial services at Goldman Sachs. Okay. So Coming out a, of here, you went to Goldman. Coming out of Wharton. Okay. Wharton, Goldman. Goldman. All right. That's right. And, um, and when I was at Goldman, I worked in a, in a group called the Special Situations Group, which basically was an on-balance sheet. Um, fund investing in public and private securities, uh, did a lot of work in alternative energy, and from there transitioned to the Clinton Foundation, where okay. we advised foreign governments on setting up their own clean energy policy. Okay. So okay. that was the transition to Clinton. All right. Um, how, long, how long do you have to work at Goldman Sachs before the Clinton Foundation is interested in hiring? <laughs> it was, as a kid, as a 20-whatever, four-year-old, 25-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it was a, it was an amazing experience. I got lucky, just like how I got lucky with the NFL. I think a lot of the good breaks that you get in, you know, whether in life or in in your career, are based on the relationships you build. And in both instances, I had a friend from Penn, oh, who yeah? had was working there at the time, called me up, said, "Hey, we have a new position. Are you okay. interested in it? Come okay. on in." Okay. Uh, and that's how it's worked out. So, wow. you know, build those relationships. Exactly. Okay, so you you you're with you're with Goldman, then you go to Clinton, then you decide to go to MIT. How was you know MIT? I think of MIT as one of the ascendant universities because the because the world's kind of coming to MIT with te- right. in technology. And so, how did you find the experience there? After we're proud of Penn, of course, but I'm interested. You chose to go there instead of instead of Penn, um, and there's a, you know it's a different school. So, what's the report out of MIT these days? Um, highly entrepreneurial environment. You know, self-starters, people who go there, know what they want, go after it. Um, it's a great environment. I think, you know, out of my class of a couple hundred people, or, yeah, a couple hundred people, you know, a large number of them came out starting their own businesses. Mm-hmm. So risk-takers, entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. This is something that's really changed about in the MBA world in general. So I've been teaching for 16 or 17 years now, and almost nobody was interested in entrepreneurship in the beginning. And now most, I mean, most MBAs at least think about it. A lot of MBAs are working on stuff yeah. right now. A lot of people go straight into that kind of thing. All right, so you're at MIT, and then you're going to make this jump to the NFL. How did, how did, this, <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah, you know, when I was at MIT, I, I thought about the entrepreneurship route. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, went to a went to a consulting firm called Interbrand. What I really was trying to get um, to build from a from a skills perspective was, um, you know, understanding the consumer, understanding the sort of consumer facing part of the okay. business. I'd spend a lot of time on obviously the financial structuring, those types of those types of executions, but wanted to understand the consumer more. So okay. went to Interbrand, big brand consulting firm, um, a lot of strategic work with big brands. Okay. Um, 
and uh, and from there, again, relationships. Um, good friend of mine from from Penn, who I'd known for years, called me up and said, "Are you interested uh, in coming to interview with the NFL? We have a position open in media." Um, what do you think? I came in, had some conversations, really interesting conversations. Obviously, as you know, media is a fascinating space to be in right now yeah. with all the changes that are happening, and it's a uh, it's a great place to you know, flex your strategic muscles, your intellectual muscles, your curiosity about what the possible is. Yeah. Um, so I took so you the jumped at it. did it. Yeah. Did, you, did you grow up an NFL fan? Uh, I actually grew up in Toronto. Ah, and so CFL? A CFL fan? I did. I watched the CFL. <laughs> I, watched right? a, I watched a lot of CFL. Um, and then I have to credit my Penn experience in making me an NFL fan. Wow. You know, Good. I didn't watch the Bills when I – grew up in toronto so when i came here the the eagles were my team the eagles were your team that still are that's fabulous well you know you're right the media landscape and it's just it's so both important and dynamic right now i mean i i think unless you're working in it full time you kind of can't keep track of it right i mean everyone's just placing bets anyway because no one knows what's going to happen but if you're not if you're not paying a lot of attention it's really hard to even keep track of the players and the NFL is kind of an interesting situation because you're such a you're a provider of some of the only content that people still want to watch live, right? Everything else is going to get, you know, taped away and played whenever people want to. But you've got this very special product. But then you're also in the distribution business a little bit yourself. And so so you're in the middle of all that. We, we are. I mean, obviously the crown jewel of our, our business is our live games, right? Mm-hmm. Our 256 live regular season games plus playoffs and Super Bowl. But those happen on, you know, Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays. And mm-hmm. there are other days of the week and other times where you want to be able to engage your fans outside mm-hmm. of those live games. And so, you know, we've built a, biz- a business model um, around doing that, whether it's through our own and operated properties like NFL Network, NFL.com, um, NFL Films, uh, or through our third-party partnerships, our social partnerships, our partnerships with other distributors um, to make sure we can engage our fans 24-7 on the platforms where they spend time mm-hmm. and in different ways outside of the live games, whether it's you know behind the scenes, under the helmet, getting to know our players, mm-hmm. um, telling stories around the game. Those are all ways that I think it's, it's, it's important to engage our fans. So this is Kate Massey. I'm, I'm hosting a special business radio presentation from the Wharton Sports Business Summit. We're sitting with... William Dang. William is Vice President of Media Strategy and Business Development at the NFL. The, 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 the different vehicles you guys have, it, there's a specialness about things, even like NFL films. So I happened to be at, I, I went to a game, a live game last yeah. weekend, and we we're waiting, we were waiting to go into the game at, at the stadium, and this guy comes through from NFL films. And there was, a, there was a, I mean, it's kind of silly, but it was like, oh, that, that's cool. That guy is cool. He's got a cool yeah. job because yeah. everyone has watched those you almost were the original in, in that whole genre. In some ways, you created the genre, the slow motion, right, you know, with the right. back, with that, with that distinctive background vocal. Um, anyway, you've just got a lot of material to work with there. Yeah, storytelling is important, mm-hmm. you know, um, and NFL Films does a great job doing that. Mm-hmm. What's an example of something that you're working on right now in this space? So we're talking about it at a kind of relatively abstract level, like positioning the NFL, taking advantage of the days that the live games aren't, somehow placing your chips on how things are going to shake up across media as a whole. What's a, what's a concrete example of a project you're working on right now in the middle of all that? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about a good example. You know, you talk about the media landscape shifting and wanting to make sure you're meeting the demands of new fans and, and new technologies. We have a partnership right now with Intel where we're developing a technology called volumetric video. And the vision of that is ultimately one day you could be as a fan anywhere on the field um, in real time, right? Think about, uh, you know, the demo that I saw when we first started talking to Intel. I was literally running alongside Russell Wilson as he's throwing a touchdown. And, you know, that that's a new experience that you can imagine that sometime down the road when the technology right. is, has gotten to that point, um, that could be pretty incredible and, and differentiated from a live game viewing experience. Right. So, by the way, technologically, how does that work? Do they have more cameras or are they just getting better about projecting you into spaces that they've filmed? It's both of those things. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you hit it exactly on the head. It's a multiple... Um, it's an approach where they have multiple cameras around the stadium and through the triangulation of those camera positions, being able to create digital, um, you know, pixels to be able to then put you in mm -hmm. virtual environments. Mm -hmm. How do you guys think about the balance between maximizing the in-game experience and maximizing the product on television? And to what extent are these things in tension and to what extent are you focusing on one or the other? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, you know, it, it, in some ways, we always talk about the fact that the best, the best screen experience is the is the in stadium experience. So that's that's always the focus, right? And we talk about the fact that if the in stadium experience is not a good one, the on on TV experience is not going to be a good one either. Mm -hmm. You don't want to watch a game that's at a, at an empty stadium, mm -hmm. right? And so the in stadium experience is is a crucial one. We work with our clubs. We have a team. Um, uh, at the league office club business development that spent a lot of time working with our clubs to make sure that we develop a great in-stadium experience. Okay. And the live experience complements that. Mm -hmm. right? For those who aren't able to make it to a game, we want to make sure then that live TV experience is as compelling as possible for okay. us. Okay. So, you know, the, 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 I hadn't been to a game in a little while. I go to them rarely enough that I'm still kind of you kind of experience them as a Martian like you hadn't been there before. <laughs> And I was struck by how it's almost like less intense in some way. It was, it was Baltimore-Pittsburgh, so it was an intense game, rivalry game. But I think when we're watching it on TV, we get so worked up. You know, it's just the action here. Yeah. When you're at the stadium, you've got a lot else going on. It's more open. There's kind of a circus going on. And if you want to just check a little bit out of the game and just back up a little bit, it's this very interesting atmosphere. It's just it's kind of a party. It's kind of a party yeah. circus. It's a little bit less intense in, in this odd way than watching the game live on TV. Yeah, I mean, to me, nothing beats the in-stadium experience. Mm -hmm. But there is a level of storytelling, you're right, that you get out of a television production. Mm -hmm. And our television partners have had a lot of experience and have gotten really good mm -hmm. at creating a compelling TV experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, it... it as an Eagles fan, you can't be being at the game right. when they win. Right, right. right. How, is, how does it work, the partnership between, between your offices and Park Avenue or whatever it is in New York and the individual franchises? So to what extent are you working with those guys as you make decisions? To what extent have you just been commissioned by the owners to do your own thing? To what extent are you collaborating with them about their own stadium and their own thing? How does the partnership work? Yeah, we have a you know we have a pretty unique model at the NFL, a national local model where there are certain rights that um, we feel are better leveraged when they are um, being developed at the national level across all 32 teams. So our live game rights are a good example of that. And in those situations, we um, you know we'll take those rights and 
through consultation with key owners and committees um, and ultimately, you know, league-wide um, decisions will, you know, we'll, we'll make those decisions on a, on a league-wide basis, mm -hmm. for example, on our TV contracts. Okay. Um, and, and that model has worked well for us. Okay. The league has had political issues. They've had sensitive issues. There's been controversial stuff. Um, in the last couple of years, how has it affected? Does it affect your your work day to day? Do you guys feel like you're? Is it part of the agenda to figure out to get ahead of the health issues or to get ahead of the activism issues? Where is that sit right now, and how how are you navigating it right now? It feels like it's calmed down a little bit, but it's there in a way that it, you know five years ago it wasn't there at all. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really affect my day to day. You know, for our group and especially in media strategy, we're focused, you know, on on the fans. We're very much looking at what are the ways that we can engage with fans and what are the platforms that they're on and and how do they consume our content what's what's missing what can we improve on those are the things that we focus on from a media perspective and a okay. fan engagement perspective can you give us an example of something we think the fans will be a way in which they'll be experiencing the game in the next couple of years so this not the volumetrics 10 years from now running alongside russell yeah. wilson but how might they be experiencing the game next year or two years from now in a different way than they are right now yeah, I'll give you an example of something that we're starting to see a little bit now, and that's around, you know, interactivity with our games. Right now, it's a pretty linear, lean-back experience. You sit at home, you watch the game. It's a great experience. But, you know, there's a world out there where um, you can interact m much more freely and much more actively with our games. Uh, and something that we're doing now with Thursday Night Football, with our partnership with Amazon, is we're distributing those games on Twitch. And if you know anything about the Twitch platform, it's a highly engaged, highly interactive how, platform. Yeah, so tell me how a fan's going to interact with the game. This reminds me, there's a league in Texas, I think, where the fans get to call the plays. But this is like, you know, an amateur kind of thing. Right. Minor league kind of thing. How would, how would for the NFL, a, a fan interact with the game from a distance? Yeah, and a lot of it is about interacting with each other. Um, ah, okay. So Twitch, obviously, is a platform where people go and they watch a lot of gaming content, um, okay. esports, um, they get to engage with a lot of the, the influences or personalities that, that make a living out of being on Twitch, and, um, and they interact with each other through chat and I through see. some of the, the different extensions that they have. So we've built out some of those products in partnership with Twitch around our okay. Thursday Night Football games, where okay. our fans are highly engaged, whether it's in chat or in some of those extensions. So it's like going to the game with your buddies. Exactly. It's a, it's a richer version of like following your Twitter thread. That's right. Time. Got it. All right. Well, listen, William, really appreciate your being down here for the conference and for taking the time out of the conference to sit here for the radio show. Thanks Thank for you. having me. You bet. That was William Dang, Vice President of Media Strategy and Business Development at the National Football League. We are here at the Special Sports Business Summit at Wharton. Cade Massey at the Wharton School, your host. We'll be right back after the break. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.